Visions of Gideon, which plays prominently at the end of the film. Luca Guandagnino? Guandagnino? Is that how you say it? Guandagnino? I don't know. It's too long a word. Uh, is an Italian director who came to prominence in 2009 with I Am Love. And then also, more recently, with the also Tilda Swinton starring A Bigger Splash in 2015, which had a, a, an even bigger cast, and both films were acclaimed. And he's doing the remake of Suspiria, Dario Argento's immortal 1979 classic horror film, uh, which is due out next year. But his third in his what he's called Desire Trilogy is Call Me By Your Name, which is based on a novel by Andre Akiman of the same name. And it's uh, set in northern Italy during the summer months where um, Michael Stolberg is a very prominent archaeologist living in this beautiful, you know, year in Provence-style mansion. Um, he fits into that whole mould so well. Uh, and he hires um, one of his ex-students from America. He's, the cast is, is sort of indeterminate. Uh, he hires an American played by Arnie Hammer who comes over to spend the summer months as his assistant on archaeological digs and so on and, and compiling all the information they're getting. He lives there with his wife, uh, played by Amira Caesar, and also his son, played by Timothy Chalamet, who's an American actor. And uh, Chalamet is, is a lead character in all of this. He's a 17-year-old. He's quite shy and retiring and a little bit troubled by everything that's going on around him. And suddenly uh, into his well comes this character played by Arnie Hammer, who's this very handsome, tall, dashing, charismatic, confident guy that's everything that he isn't. And even though he's got this burgeoning relationship with a young woman uh, his own age, the two male people uh, in this uh, house gradually fall in love. And over the course of the summer, they um, fall into this deeply passionate love affair and that's the movie. It's um, it's not a plot-based movie, and it's not a movie based on you know story point after story point. It's a movie based on life, and it's um, it follows their inevitable. You know, he's got to go back to America at the end of the summer, and it follows their their summer love affair all the way through, as many many films have. Um, obviously, the uh, the difference here is that it's two guys, and and unusual for a. As such a prominent film with the male one of the male characters being under the age of 18 which is, is quite unusual because you wouldn't get that in an american film and even like the um he has a sexual relationship his first with uh with a girl his own age is as well they're both under what would be the american age of consent and i don't even know if you get those films made and there's lots of side characters a mum and a dad as well they sort of become aware of what's going on. And unlike uh, what you'd expect to see in American films, they're actually supportive of their son through all of it. Very European. Um, like I said, there's a, it's, it's, there's a lot to focus on, but not the story, because it is just it is a summer love affair story. It's, and I think it's all the better for the fact that it's not based around a tragic event or some you know some major events happening it's just life going on throughout this summer is it as good as everyone's making out yes it's utterly utterly magnificent it's wonderful and by far the best of the oscar contenders i've seen or any of the awards contenders how it managed not to get 
a Best Picture nomination, not even a nomination at Screen Actors Guild, which was won by the, the not as good uh, Three Billboards Ebbing, Missouri. Um, this is a film that I guess in a certain way is relatable to what I thought was overrated, Moonlight, and also Brokeback Mountain, in that it's not a gay film, really. You could change Arnie Hammer's character into a female character and not really change anything else. None of it really matters that he's gay, even when the parents... And, and it's never said that they are gay either. They both have relations with women. But they, this is a film about two people. It's their story. It's their love. And it so overwhelms them, even though they don't want it, 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 it arrives. And like Brokeback Mountain and Moonlight, it's their personal story and their personal journey. There's no wider connotation to... I mean, the fact whether or not you know they, it's a gay experience or whether... They, it's not a gay film. It's, it's never really mentioned. <laughs> They're two males. No one, no one ever has a problem with that at all. Even though it's kept very secret, there, he becomes aware that his parents uh, are aware of what's going on, and they're very warm. They're really supportive. It's so European in its outlook on, and and they both both parents regard this very passionate, pure love that their son's experiencing at such a young age as being a pivotal moment in his life. And they don't do anything to get in the way. I was, there was lovely moments where the mother, almost like, you know, you get mums on films where they would sniff their son's hair to find out what they've been up to, gently probes him with questions and gets all the information she needs. He's completely unaware. And there's a jaw-dropping scene at the end with uh, Michael Stolberg, which is getting him a lot of write-ups, which is at once cringingly embarrassing like a birds and the bees conversation and heart-stoppingly powerful as he talks to his son about it and about how he's never felt or acted on anything so strong. And there's a, there's a bit where the mother, perhaps precipitously, is, reads a bit from a, a, an old 16th century novel where there's a knight that falls in love with a princess but never acts on it, uh, and he should have, and so on. And, it, and it's sort of like the metaphor for the, for the whole film. What I loved about this film the most, it was spending two hours with utter elegance. Elegance is not money or jewellery or opulence. Elegance is just the perfect amount. And in every single direction of filmmaking, this is just perfect. The cinematography is stunningly beautiful. Like I said, the year in Provence where, you know, Everyone dreams of living in a, a rustic mansion in the Italian hills or in the French countryside in southern France. It's that setup. Maybe you don't deserve too much kudos as a cinematographer for making northern Italy look beautiful, but it does. The light is haunting. The sunlight is haunting. The swims in the lakes are haunting. The music is superb. The soundtrack is wonderful. It uses music from the era. Uh, the sort of synth new wave pop that's going through and uh, melancholic classical pieces and the three Sufjan Stevens songs that weave the fabric together. The acting is universally brilliant. Everyone in it is really good, including the 17-year-old uh, Chalamet's friend, uh, his girlfriend in it, nearly. 
Um, she's great. The mum and dad are fantastic. I, I think the dad's uh, played by Michael Stolberg's getting all of the props at the moment. But I thought the mother, Amira Cesar, was really good as well. And she's the one that tweaks what's going on first. Apparently, the movie's toned down its explicit nature and nudity and sex a lot from what was originally proposed. And I'm glad it does because it might have made it a movie that was solely about a gay experience. But this is a universal, in the same way that Brokeback Mountain was universal, it's a summer love affair between someone that's never had a love affair before in their lives and someone else that um, has just formed this amazing connection with them. They start off really not liking each other. But then they just bond. They become very, very close. They're so different, yet they have such a communication between each other. And it's really beautiful as well. And I'm glad it wasn't more explicit than it is because it leaves you with that sense that it's not just anything physical. They've just made this emotional connection. There really isn't any faults in it I can find at all. I was a little bit, would Arnie Hammer and him have got together? But maybe that's the point of the film, that, that, that people so different can fall in love like that. Um, I did wonder about it because they are very, very different. And also the morality of it. I was thinking, like, if that was a girl, if, T- if the Chamolet character was a 17-year-old girl and I was a dad and I'd hired this guy to come and live with me for the summer months in a professional capacity, would I be happy? I don't know. These are very European values on display. And even though it's a very Italian film... For me, it was mostly a French film. And if you've loved French cinema from, you know, the 80s, where there's usually lots of scenes where people are sitting around having dinner and just talking about the life, love, the universe and everything, this is perfection on that level. Um, I, you have haunting imagery everywhere from the dappled light, from the quiet villages, from just about everything, and Arnie Hammer's great. I was worried that he wasn't going to be as involved in the film as I'd like him to be, and that he sort of sank away as a bit of a cipher where you didn't get to know him as well as you got to to know the character played by Timothy Chalamet, the 17-year-old. But he does come through in the last third of the movie, and you do get to know him a lot more. Um, The acting of his is obviously a career high in a difficult role, a difficult role for him, you know. He's a, he's the guy that came to prominence playing the guys that Mark Zuckerberg, the twins that Mark Zuckerberg sued in the Social Network movie. He's a tall, dashing, you know, quarterback guy, absolute confidence and everything else. Whereas Chalamet spends his summer months. Um, he's a musical genius, a prodigy, and he spends his summer months, um, perhaps metaphorically playing a lot of classical music and then changing the style how would this person have done it how would that composer have played it and guessing what they would have how the feelings would have changed the way they played this music which is there's a good scene where he plays a piece of Bach in a number of different styles and um it's one of the formative parts where they get together and um Arnie Hammer's sort of like can you just play it how you're playing it on the guitar outside because that's how you play it and every time he tries to, he plays it like a different composer. And in the end, he does allow himself to come through. And there's all these beautiful, poignant, poetic, lyrical moments throughout. If you like that kind of cinema, you'll love it. It is beautiful. It's so elegant. It's everything. Even the housekeeper, the groundskeepers are brilliant in it. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a European film. It's not a gun-blazing film. It's a... It's soulful, it's romantic, it's wistful. 
Another thing I like, I, I think they've done a brilliant job on the screenplay because there are lots of elements that they've left out of the book, such as the fact that the whole story is told from the future looking back um, at this summer of love that he had when he was a kid. And I, I, I'm glad that those elements weren't included because I think they would have spoiled a lot of the movie because you're in there with them and it's very intimate. And I think if it was like you already know that this era's past. And it's also heartbreaking, you know, because they both know that summer's going to end and um, they know what's coming. And, of course, it does. And there's no, you know, grand... Yeah, it's, no, it's no American bit where they go to the airport and the other guy's in a taxi racing to get to the airport to stop them and declare their undying love or anything like that. It's just life just happens. So I thought this was a, a beautiful film. Um, call me by your name, I shall give... I'm going to try and say the guy's name. Luca Guadagnino. Guadag, Luca Guadagnino. Um, and his third great film in a row, but this is probably his best, I would say. Um, so I'm looking forward to Suspiria, if he's this good a director. Um, and it's just nice to see this kind of film that's so based on human interaction and not story, and human emotion and not story. So I'm going to give Call Me By Your Name a 9 out of 10, and that's probably a score I give out, I don't know, it sounds poncy, but I probably only give maybe three movies a year that, so it is really good and my favourite of the films that I've seen that are dominating the awards season so far, uh, and there aren't many left. One interesting aspect about the soundtrack, um, there are three Sufjan, and it, there's a review of the soundtrack in Pitchfork from last year, I think September when it came out. But one of the best reviews they've done in years, how they used to review, it's so in-depth, but it actually functions as a brilliant review of the film as well. It's so intuitive. It's the kind of film that does make you want to write poetry. It does make you want to fall in love. It's that kind of film. Or appreciate other people falling in love instead of you know feeling jealous about it. It makes you want to be so warm to everyone. Um, the sound they they make a very good point about the soundtrack album. There are three Sufjan Stevens songs. I played that beautiful Visions of Gideon, and there's another one that's a reworking of his track that fit the music movie so perfectly. And then there's a third track called Mysteries of Love, which he wrote for the film. And as I said in the review. It's the only moment in the movie that's bad. It's two minutes where you sit back a bit, just for a couple of minutes, and it's almost like MTV enters the room. The song itself isn't very good. The lyrics are really trite, very simplistic and obvious. Uh, it's, and it's kind of like someone's come in and put in a, an MTV montage. And it's obviously the centerpiece song of the whole film. But it isn't because it doesn't work. Like that one I just played you is so much more powerful and the visuals are so much more powerful. Whereas this is just like a you know, montage of what's happening and it doesn't fit with a movie. The movie's so much better than that trite sequence. So I'm going to not play that one. As was correctly noted in that review, the central piece of music in the film is the psychedelic furs Love My Way which was a pop hit in 1983, used in the movie Valley Girl then, used in another movie in the 90s, and this is the third time it's got an outing on a movie. And it's played in a moment where they're at this disco, this sort of semi-tragic, semi-awesome disco where they're playing all the music from 1983 in France and all boogieing. And Arnie Hammer just loses himself. 
And it, it's so ebullient, his dancing to it, that it actually became viral. It went viral, him doing this dance and everyone just dancing with absolute wild abandon, genuine wild abandon. And it comes up twice in the movie in similar circumstances. So I'm going to play from the wonderful Call Me By Your Name, 9 out of 10, the psychedelic furs and Love My Wife.